Well, hello, White Sox fans, and welcome to another edition of the Future Sox podcast. My name is Ian Eskridge. Joining me this evening is James Fox. How are you, James? Hey, good, sir. Good to be doing this again. Yes, indeed. Uh, So spring training has started, and (laughs) I wanted to break into this entire stream here tonight and talk to you about how much you detest spring training. And uh, yeah, let's just start with that. Yeah, I think I'm already there. No, so... Like yesterday, like I was at my in-laws for like a dinner and I was actually like kind of excited, like toward, like I, I watched like the rest of it because those are the guys that we kind of want to see, you know, like I'm good with that. Like get Lenin Sosa, his reps at third, you see an Edgar Caro appearance, like some of these guys that we're going to talk about. The things that I don't have time for is just like, you know, when random relievers are starting and people are mad that like the Sox are getting beat, like that sort of thing. I just like, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. You know, one thing I did find interesting, and I saw somebody else questioning this as well on Twitter, is you had he was not getting anybody out, and like he was still out there at forty-one pitch. You know, he didn't get the final yeah. out until forty-one pitches into his outing, and it's the first game of spring training. That was that was ugly. Yeah, he threw Chavez through forty some pitches. And you know, some and I didn't pay attention close enough to see like what he was throwing. Like, is he working on two pitches or? I mean, he's forty. Like, I'm pretty sure like Jesse Chavez could have a nine ERA in the spring, and he probably makes the team. So I just, you know, I just, I, I don't know. Like, that's the other thing. Like the the competition element, I've always kind of struggled with, right? Like, like we had this conversation with Oscar Colas last year. Like, how are you going to know he's ready? Like, can you win a job in spring training? Right? Like, I, like I don't know. Like if Lenin Sosa looks really good in the spring and Mandic looks really bad, is Lenin Sosa gonna make the team? Like I don't I don't know. I just I've never really understood spring training battles because I think these guys kind of predetermine a lot of these spots. But maybe on this year's team, it's a little bit different. Like when you're bad, maybe you should let people you know, like Colson Montgomery is not making the team, right? But could Nick Nastrini? Maybe. I don't know, you know. So there's like just like these different arguments. Yeah, no, that's a. Uh, I th- I think I- I'm feeling the same way about that. Is that especially this year, I feel like the possibility for these, you know, battles to actually matter and and be something and actually change what's going to be on the 26 man roster for the season. I mean, case in point today. Uh, this is one thing that I really wanted to get into after watching yesterday's game and then uh, listening to today's game. And, you know, I was kind of live tweeting what was going on in the game for, you know, because it wasn't broadcast today. It was only on uh, radio. And there were some defensive things that went really haywire uh, over the last two days. And, you know, it's everybody was pleasantly surprised during the first game everybody was tweeting oh yeah a clean defensive game this is amazing that one game has been the one game where there was clean defense the second game um i'll go ahead and bring that up right now uh just off on the side over here Braden shoemake who we traded you know who we got in that in the aaron bummer trade here you know makes an error and then makes a mental error throwing behind the lead base runner causing a run. I mean, there have been so many, you know, just defensive gaffes in the last two games that what I'm trying to figure out, you know, that was like the thing that was supposed to be like the, the hallmark of this team is that it was supposed to be good defensively. This is what we're watching. (laughs) Just the ball being thrown all over the play, like uh, a place like little league. Yeah. And Fletcher, Fletcher had a miscue in the outfield. Lenin Sosa had a bad throw at third, you know, so I was curious to see Lenin Sosa playing as much third base as he is. I don't know if that's like the Charlotte plan or what, or just he needs to be able to play everywhere type of thing to have any chance. But, you know, I mean, you got Shoemake on the team who's a better middle infield defender than him, right? You got Rodriguez who I don't know could play third. I'm not sure if he could, you know, so, you know. So if you figure you're going to send Brian Ramos back to double, maybe uh, maybe Lenin Sosa is the third baseman for the Knights. I don't know. It's just, it's, it might be nothing, but that's what he's played so far. Yeah, uh, yeah. There was also uh, there was a you know the uh, 
the defensive leaders that have been brought into the team to help and establish the culture. Uh, Martin Maldonado gets, uh, you know, I, actually, you know, I'm going to hold off on that one because I know you specifically want to talk about that. So I'll hold off, hold off on that. But today, defensively, uh, he throws, uh, there's a guy at third base. He throws to second base to get a trailing stolen base. You know, the guy's stealing second base to take, you know, take that middle base out, eliminate the double play. Fine. DeJong, DeYoung catches the ball, tags the guy, thinks that he got him out, didn't get him out. But there's still the guy on third base. The umpire calls him safe. Instead of paying attention to the third base runner, your defensive leadership guy starts arguing with the umpire and the run scores. It's just, you know, like all these things that are happening defensively that, you know, that was supposed to be a thing of the past. And this year so far, two out of three games have had major defensive miscues. So, so. The, are they trying to play too fast? That's, is that what it is? That's the whole. Yeah, Ian, have I you, uh, I know like you've met and you know, coaches and stuff, you know, coaches and people. Do you, have you ever met an acronym guy that's uh, like been really good? I mean, you know, there's, I, I've met some football coaches that have had some acronyms, but uh, the, the only one that I've known that's been good was a coach for like 20 some years before that. And that acronym had been around for quite a while. So it was kind of one of those things where he was just good and came up with one. This isn't one that uh, had a, you know, terrible season the year before. And then all of a sudden comes up with this, you know, bombshell that, Hey, we're going to start playing fast. And then comes up. I don't even know what they all stand for. I didn't bother. Yeah. It's, remembering it but base baseball boiling that's what that's what he is he's baseball boy i i and and here's the thing like i don't hate like the rest of his staff you know like i think like the grady sizemore thing is fine and you know i know that um you know like major the, league baseball coach yeah grady he's a ma- he's, he's a major major league coach um and what the the new the catcher like the catcher coach was a uh, is Butera right? Like he's highly regarded. Yep, people Butera, think yep. people think he's gonna manage, and like it, it's just you know I'd like it better without Pedro around. But you know we'll see. So yeah, I you know, and then you add on top of all of this that the White Sox were getting no hit until the top of the ninth today. Um, you had two strikeout uh, effort from Andrew Vaughn today, over three. I think he's got like six strikeouts or five strikeouts so far in three games. Um, yeah, it's just not been, uh, it, it's not been a positive thing, you know? And when you yeah. think about the over under on the team, it, it's starting to, you know, I, you know, granted we're only three games in, so, you know, you don't want to hit the panic button necessarily, but I, at this point, I kind of don't think it's the panic button. It's the reality button, you know, like yeah, no, the they're... whole thought that you can dream on something is kind of lost at this point. Right. You know, they're not good. Like, they're they're not going to be good. I mean, you know, this is, you know, like, you, you want to go out and see Luis Robert, right? I think you want to salvage something out of Yoan Moncada and Aloy Jimenez and some of these other guys, right? But those guys aren't going to be on the 2026 team, right? So, like, people, like, a lot of people aren't going to want to hear it. But, like, one of the best case outcomes for this team is guys playing good enough to trade them for something that you can use. And I, I just kind of think it's, you know, in addition to like, we, we find some parts that are going to be useful, right? Like hopefully Colson Montgomery is a star. Hopefully Brian Ramos is, is a big leaguer, right? Like we don't want to go too far. And then hopefully they find some number three and four starters, like out of some of these young guys, right? If you're happy with, if Jake Eater and Nick Nestrini are in the 2025 rotation, and Brian Ramos and Colson Montgomery are on the team with Luis Robert, and you know you got to like spend around it. That's like not a terrible outcome, but yeah, like the the games are not going to be great. So you know, I just feel like they're going to lose. They're going to lose differently because I do think the defense will be better, right? It, like yeah. it, it's been bad, but it'll be better. Um, I just like don't know where the offense is going to come from. Like I just I I I don't know. That has been my question as well. And another thing, you know, another thought that I had this afternoon was that, you know, the the whole point, uh, you know, that Chris gets brought up about making the defense better 
was that it was going to help them lure free agent pitching. But then I thought to myself, the White Sox have never spent on free agent pitching or extending a pitch, a pitcher if it's anything over, you know, three years. So what, what, like, really, what are we even talking about here? What's the, what's the point? It's just kind of deflecting blame here at this point to what actual is going to happen. And it's what he said, right? Like, and I think like Eric Fetty is like a kind of a shrewd, like cool signing. Like maybe like he could maybe be like Merrill Kelly or something like on the high end, that would be great. Right. But I just think that was mostly nonsense. I think he knew that he had no money. Um, and he thought the cheapest way to maybe be not the worst team in the league was to fix the defense. Um, you know, he was stuck keeping Yohan Moncada. He's stuck with Aloy Jimenez. Like, you you clearly, like, they went into, this, into the offseason trying to trade Aloy, and we've seen how little value he has, you know. And I, I don't know if it's Tim Anderson value. I don't know if it's that bad, but, you know, I know we weren't, like, anticipating talking about that, but, I mean, how many people did you talk to that wanted to, like, I talked to a lot of people that thought that they should pick up Tim's option to, like, try to trade him, like, it's worth $5 million, man. Like he waited the entire offseason and got $5 million. I mean, it kind of seems like uh, they made the right call there. I mean, it's unfortunate because, like, look, I am I hate losing guys for nothing. Like, I'm that yep. guy. I hate that, right? And they probably screwed up a little bit there. But, I mean, yeah, like, my goodness. Like, And, and you still got free agents out there right now that, <laughs> like, aren't making – like, you could look at – you thought – um, Paul DeYoung was like a nothing signing for 1.75 or whatever he got. Gio Urshela just got less than that. Like, yep. And, and I'm he's not even, more, he's been more yeah. productive for, and I'm years. not even saying that you should necessarily wait and like sign Urshela instead. I just like this market, like completely cratered. Yeah. And you see everybody talking about how Boris might've screwed his clients <laughs> at this point. Um, yeah, it's odd. And you know, you know, I guess, uh, we could go into – do you want to go into Bellinger now or do you want to wait? Yeah, I think that makes sense. I just – like I've been saying this, and look, not that like I'm the gospel on this or anything, but I just – like I saw these guys and kind of worried a little bit. You and I talked about it a little bit off air. I think we might have even talked about it a little bit before like this partnership. You know, it's just – like it, it's kind of a Boris problem, but not really, right? Like nobody's going to be saying this next year when his clients are Juan Soto and, and Corbin Burns yeah. and they're signed in – like early December, right? It's because of who the clients are and they're, they have qualifying offers attached and your big market teams other than the Dodgers haven't really spent, right? I mean, I saw today like the stuff on Blake Snell and obviously we're not going to get into cease a ton, but again, like in a Nightingale notes column today, like talking about how the Yankees would prefer to trade for Dylan cease than sign Blake Snell but they won't give up Spencer Jones and that's what the Sox are insisting on. So like, is that leverage for the Sox or is it leverage for the Yankees? My thought is like, that's kind of pushing Boris a little bit for the Yankees. But like, like if you're them, you're giving up a second, a fifth and a million dollars in international space for the right to sign Blake Snell. Like, and I know some people are like, Oh, that's nothing. Okay. But, it also weighs down, and I talk about this all the time, right? If you think Blake Snell's worth seven years and 200, he's not worth seven and 200 plus the second rounder, the fifth rounder, and the million dollars in international space. Yeah. So then that's why you can't agree on a deal. Like the Cubs today, like it, that was the perfect deal probably for them, but nobody else would have given Cody Bellinger that deal because you're not going to have him opt out after one year and give up a pick to do it. So you know, it's just, I, I think it's market forces a little bit, but it's also like these guys aren't that good. Like Matt Chapman had had a, uh, what? He he had an OPS under eight, you know, and he's, he's probably yeah. going to, I think he's perfect in San Francisco with Bob Melvin, but it's not going to be for as much money as people thought originally, you know? So, and then, yeah, you can obviously, if you have thoughts, go ahead, but then there's, there's a, like a couple of draft pick ramification things that I just want to touch on too before we're moving on. Yeah, you know, when it came to the Bellinger signing, you know, like the only team that it really makes sense for is the Cubs because of the compensation that you have to give to to sign him. And I and I told my friends that are Cubs fans who were celebrating that he got signed. I was like, okay, it's cool that you're celebrating it. I understand why you are, but the thing that you have to do now that you've given him, you know, I, you got the opt out, so that's great. Um, but the problem is, is that they're his opt outs, so. 
you have to just hope and pray that the results were not the anomaly and that the batted ball data from this past season is the anomaly and that he's actually going to continue to put out numbers like that to justify paying him like you are. So that's my only thoughts on the Bellinger thing. Well, and for me, like, like I look as White Sox fans, like I understand like people thinking guys are terrible after small sample sizes. Like I get it. I think PCA is a stud. Like, I think he's going to be like one of the star athletes in Chicago, like five years from now, PCA will be the Cubs center fielder and everybody will love him, you know? And yeah, he's 21 21 at bats. Yeah. I thought it was 19, but yeah, sure. Like, yeah, yeah, maybe it's 21 plate appearances. I mean, we know nothing like he totally changed the swing. He was, he's a top, what, 40 prospect in baseball. Like that dude's going to be a stud. Number one defensively. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, even if like, like his floor is like a kind of like Kevin Kiermaier, like that great, you know? So like, I think Cody Bellinger is going to be playing a lot of first base. Yep. I think best case scenario for Cubs fans is like PCA is really good. Bellinger has a, you know, a really good year and they go to the playoffs or whatever. And then Bellinger opts out at the end of the year. I think you want this to be a one-year deal. Yeah. Yeah. I would think so. Uh, especially because, you know, I mean, not that I think that he's uh, amazing, but you have uh, Matt Mervis who has done some things and yeah, his first, you know, taste in the majors wasn't great, but then you also have Morrell and you've got a bunch of guys coming up from the, I mean, they got like what a top four system. So, you know, there are other guys on the horizon and also you just saw that Brennan Davis is back now and you know, he's starting to, you know, if that guy gets hot, he was their top prospect a few years ago and I could easily see him returning back to where he was. And then they could have a, you know, a ridiculous outfield of uh, uh, PCA and then uh, Canario and uh, and Brennan Davis, and all three of them could be, you know, top of the list in NL production. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, they have El- and they have Alcantara too. Oh yeah, and Alcantara as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that so, and I know we weren't really going to do this either. And people love people love Cub Sox trades, Ian. Of like, are you surprised do. that we haven't really heard that match? Like. Because, like, it seems like they have, like, what the Sox want, maybe, for Cease, like, if they wanted to add Cease. And it kind of seems like the Cubs do need one more starter, and they don't want to pony up for, like, a Montgomery or something. I don't know. Like, it just kind of seems like that's a deal that could work in some fashion. We're not going to get into the names, but, like, they have a really good system. So, yeah, you know. I wouldn't be surprised to see them try and swing a deal, you know, and, like, maybe Casey or Triantos or something like that. Right, like, they have excess parts that – you know, like they're not going to play seven outfielders. Like that's not, yeah. I mean, even like if you wanted to take a chance on Mervis, like as a, one of your pieces, you know, it's, I don't know. So like the White Sox obviously got the 69th pick in the draft a couple of weeks ago. We talked about this. Um, Bellinger does not affect that going back to the Cubs. The Cubs will not get a pick. They don't forfeit a pick. Um, but Blake Snell and Chapman both have qualifying offers. So for example, if Blake Snell signs at the angels, Chapman signs at the giants. Um, those teams lose their second rounders Sox compensation pick moves up two spots. So it could end up at like 67. That's really the only thing, but that's the reason why we don't have draft bonus pools right now. Like I, I can kind of figure it out based off last year and some sort of increase, but we don't know the pick values because we don't know the picks yet. Cause there, there's still a couple of them in question. I mean, I'm just saying uh, it's going to be an interesting feeling to see how the other side lives this year with the comp pick. I'm so not used to the White Sox getting a comp pick because they trade guys before their contracts are done. So they don't allow free agents to walk and, or the guy doesn't sign for anything. Uh, And because, you know, even though uh, they cry poor quite often, uh, they don't qualify for revenue sharing, thus don't get the comp picks. So it's going to be yeah. interesting to see how that uh, how that feels to get a second yeah. pick up that high. Well, we'll be we'll be coming away with three guys on night one. I feel like it hasn't happened since 2016. They had one um, where they drafted Birdie. Um, yeah, and then they took yeah. Alec Hansen in the second round. So you have three. So yeah, so you'll have three players, and we'll obviously talk a lot about this and. Um, you know, picking five, I feel like, 
lately in these drafts, like everybody's under slot up there just because of how much the bonus pools are. Like they're like those amounts are so much money. So yeah, so we'll see. I mean, it'll be pretty informative. Like I feel like at five, we'll kind of know, Hey, like I bet they like take a shot on a guy here, like with one of these next two. So yeah, that'll be interesting. I always love having extra picks. I wish they could get another one, but yeah, I wish. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Uh, you know, speaking of that 2016 draft, um, I'm just saying when I, when I watch Spencer Jones hit for the Yankees and I've made this comparison out in the uh, ether a few times, that guy reminds me so much of Zach Collins so much. His swing looks pretty close to Zach Collins and they've got the same approach at the plate, which results in a lot of strikeouts mm-hmm. and uh, ultimately disappointment. <laughs> That's why I don't really understand like the, like, I don't know if it's true that the White Sox would insist on Spencer Jones in a cease trade because, like, I think the Yankees have enough without him, personally. Like, you like you can make a bunch of different packages with them that I like. And, look, I have more risk tolerance than most and maybe more than they do even. But, I mean, like, Roderick Arias is the type of guy where, you know, like, you get him now mm-hmm. because – you know, like in July, if the Yankees want Dylan Cease, I think there's a chance he's a top 50 prospect in baseball, and then he's off the table too. You know, I I don't think, like, I think people get a little starry-eyed, and you look at the Orioles, and it's like, you got to get, like, this guy that's the 22nd prospect in baseball. Like, no, I want, like, a few guys that are going to be top 100 guys, like, within the next six months. Like, that's what you, you should be doing. And I think the Yankees system as scary as it is to deal with them because those guys are overhyped. Like, I get it. Always. You know, I get it. But there are some guys in that system. You just got to get the right ones. Yeah, that was uh, that was my kind of worry is that, you know, the guys that I looked at was uh, George Lombard and, uh, you know, some of their pitching prospects that are a little bit closer. Those are the kind of guys that I was looking at that I liked. And, I, you know, and I do like uh, Juan Carella that we got from them before. Uh, I think that he has, you know, some more stuff to go. Uh, he's, he's got some more potential to hit at some point here um, because he's so young. I just wonder if he will ultimately but you know then again that's what happens with them um oh there we go sleepy harold says more up the middle talent please and thank you i agree i'm all for that um we get, we get more more braden shoemakes and you'll like it <laughs> uh um speaking of middle uh, up the middle talent uh TJ Montgomery said some things online uh, on on the X slash Twitter the last couple of days. I know that's something that you wanted to bring up. Um, you want to uh, inform people of uh, what we're what we're speaking of for what the Maldonado thing? No, 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 the, uh, the Colson Montgomery thing. Oh yes, yes, exactly. Sorry, yes. Um, so like we just had a. Uh, it was just like a reply, right? Like from his dad, like, and his dad kind of said like yeah. what he's listed at. He said that Colson's six, five, two thirty, um, which I guess like he looks like a big strapping young lad, but mm-hmm. I guess I didn't realize like it was two thirty. the six, five, I believe. Um, so I don't know if he's going to get much bigger, but <laughs> I mean, you know, that's going to be like, you know, next to Noah Schultz. I mean, yeah, let's hope I mean, he that's, doesn't get much that's bigger. why they're talking about the, the third base like move, you know, it's like Troy gloss size, you know, it's like going to be massive, but no, I just thought it was interesting that he just like pointed out how wrong that was, you know, that that's just like basically what he was pre-draft. They're still using like six, three, two Oh five. Is that what it said? Like, yeah. Yeah. It was no, a response to no what, MLB shot. pipeline. Like, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh I mean the fact that he's six five, that's a that's a big dude. Um, and he looked at like look, he played on what Saturday and he looks he looks the part. I mean that you know, then you can kind of imagine like three, four years from now when he's in the middle of your order filled out. Like, you know, I know the Corey Seeger comps, like we've joked on this show, like comparing guys to stars, right? It's kind of stupid, but I mean he he kind of looks like Corey Seeger. Yeah, and he he uh, made uh, he came in late in in, in uh, later in today's game, and uh, I think he went zero for two. Um, but from what the uh, the radio broadcast was saying is that uh, there were some real bad calls by Eddings during his at bat, and uh, Colson kind of 
you know, made some expressions mm-hmm. and the umpire said, Oh, you don't like that. Well, here's more of it. Yeah. <laughs> and the ball was even farther yeah. out and still got called a strike. So well, welcome so to the bigs kid for the purposes of like what we do here. I know some people like have probably just seen Brian Ramos for the very first time. Is it surprising to you at all? How good he looked? No, not at all. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the bat has been uh, a little less than uh, a little less than stellar, but one thing that I did find interesting is that they had, uh, I thought he had broken up the no hitter because he hit a laser to third base and it went off the third baseman's glove. And this was during the no hit, no hit bid. And they ended up giving the third baseman an E5. And then it got changed after the game to a hit. So he actually did break up the no hitter. Um, but the, you know, like the, the bats looked a little rusty as has everybody in the, uh, in that, clubhouse uh has looked pretty rusty so far uh other than tim elko and um yeah Yeah. (laughs) jeez he just like hits everything like hard yeah you know like that's the thing about tim elko and like i've been high on him Uh, i didn't put him in my top 30 but you know that my top the reason why i didn't do that is just because he's a little bit older and there is some you know really high risk for him not being able to continue doing what he does as he goes up but, uh, you know, I, I attributed last season's double A swoon to just to the fact that he had already played, you know, like when he got to Birmingham, he, he was already probably like 20, 30 games more than he's ever played in his entire life in a season. So I kind of figured that he was gassed. So it didn't surprise me that the, uh, the numbers went down. Also, I've heard him in interviews say that his modus operandi for, playing baseball is putting a hurt on the ball and doing damage. And so it didn't surprise me that he didn't walk a whole lot. Uh, but yeah, he's looked pretty, pretty decent and he's looked good at first as well. So that's yeah. good to see. Yeah. And there's just the, the, the hardest part for him is there's just no margin for error at all because like, and we're seeing it with Vaughn right now, right? Like we were all very excited about Vaughn and Wolf Larson, you know, mentioned over here and he's not sure now. And like, look, I mean, the Keith laws of the world and guys who I really trust, like thought Vaughn was like a can't miss hitter. Right. Yeah. And he just has not done the job. He doesn't get on base. He doesn't have enough power. Um, and I don't know how long he's going to be guaranteed a job, you know? So, but I mean, that's, that's like the perfect example of like, if you play first dude, you got to mash or else like, you're just, you're done. Like there's just no, and first basemen are easy to find. You can go out and sign one every off season. If you want to, you can just go like CJ Cron is available. I think, you know, like, like, I mean, even right now you can just like go find a guy. Yeah. I mean, Reese Hoskins was available, you know, for like a, for what looked to me like a reasonable contract, you know, granted he missed last year in most of last year, but, um, there's always somebody that's halfway decent out there for first base. Yeah. So before we before we um, move on, there was something that happened today that was that I found humorous. So I'll just equate this back to something and it's not going to make sense for like a second. So just bear with me. But so I coached freshman football like a long time ago. Right. And and there was a kid that we were like afraid to put on the field. He played safety. It was just, you know, it was tough because we were afraid he was going to get hurt. He just like shouldn't have been playing. And then we had like a parent complaint. and We played him well in a freshman B game. This kid got an interception because like the ball basically like stuck in his helmet and he like stuck his hand on it. Right. So then, you know, like then the kid's parents thought he was, he was good and we were wrong or whatever. All pro. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that's how Pedro Griffol felt today when Oscar Colas broke up the no hitter? Mm. No, no, (laughs) no, absolutely not. Cause I think that after, you know, I think that probably after he made that, uh, after he broke up the no, no, you know, when he came back in the clubhouse, I'm sure Pedro, yelled at him for something buried him you know he yelled uh, when when uh martin maldonado didn't hustle to first mm. he he yelled at oscar colas for it probably <laughs> exactly uh speaking of let's uh, let's move on to that uh so in uh the the opener on friday martin maldonado uh grounded a ball back to uh i forget who it was at the time it was uh one of the Cubs pitchers anyway. Uh, so he ended up bobbling the ball off the bat and Martin Maldonado had not run, started running to first base because he's like, well, I just hit it back to the pitcher. Well, he kind of started trotting, but then he went to pick the ball back up 
picked it up, went to throw it, and it flew out of his hand again. So he ended up making it to first anyway. Uh, but in true uh, Pedro Grafal fashion, he decided that it was time to dress down his uh, his catcher, his 37-year-old catcher, uh, who's played in the major leagues for many years. Uh, it was time to make him look like an idiot um, and yell them for not running to first base. Your thoughts? I, I oh my God, like so. This is a th- like regular season, right? Like, I, look, I do think these guys are professionals. I think they get paid enough money to like run hard to first. I really do. Like, I I don't mind. Like, that was um Joe Madden's thing, right? Or it was Ozzie Guillen's thing too. Like, do the national anthem and run hard to first. Those are like the only rules, you know. And like I'm with that. Like that's fine. Like if a guy does this like in like the first series of the game and Pedro wants to like bench a guy, like I'm I'm not going to get on him for that. Like I think that's fine. But it's the first week of spring training and I don't need my 37-year-old catcher flying down the line to first base. Like I just don't. Like I would appreciate him to like feign running, right? Like run down to first. Like run down there, Martin. Like that's fine. But like really, like we're we're doing this like it's and I got a lot of replies today. People thought I was like crazy for this take online. And like, look, like they're like, oh, they got to teach the young guys or whatever. Like, I, like I'm here to tell you, like if Colson Montgomery and Brian Ramos, like need to see Martin Maldonado run hard to first to like act like professionals, they're not the guys that we think they are. So like, yes, like Camp Pedro has already reached ridiculous levels. I'm with you. I, you know, I... <laughs> I mean, we saw this with Yasmani Grandal, you know, uh, knee injuries don't go well with catchers. Hamstring injuries don't go well with catchers. Lower back injuries don't go well with catchers. Um, 37 year old catcher. While he does look like he's in pretty decent shape. Um, and as it was a comebacker to the mound, uh, ultimately does that, uh, does that single matter in the grand scheme of the 2024 season? No, it does not. And, I like I like you said. Everybody else was probably like, "Hey, you probably should have, you know, at least like kind of took off out of the box right there." And he'd probably tell you the same thing that he should have like kind of at least made a an attempt to get out of the box and not just stand there, which he did. Um, but yeah, ultimately, it's the first preseason game. Who cares? It's a fake game. Like, what are we doing? Like, and like, look, I get it. Like the culture thing is like important to them. And like last year was a train. Like I, I get the whole thing like that, but it's just like, 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 I don't know. Like I'm big on like, like winning the war, like instead of the battle. Right. Like, what do you think? Like the primary reason for Martin Maldonado even being here is like, I have, you know, certainly not hitting. Right. And like, I, I kind of feel like if Martin Maldonado and Max Stassi are able to have some level of impact on your young pitchers, right. To the point where like, you can figure out what you have. Like, I think that's enough. Like, I think that's worth the 4 million, right? Like if Nick Nestrini and Jake Eater and Eric Fetty, like if they learn enough from Martin Maldonado that they have like decent first seasons in the big leagues, I think that's important. He can't do that. If he blows his hammy, run into first in spring trading. He just can't. So, like, I'd, I'd much rather just ensure that these guys are, are healthy and fine. I mean, we saw the other – did you see the the other day when they were doing the sliding drills on the backfields and it showed, like – like, how does how is Eloy not dead from that? And uh, I don't know. You, you would think that some <laughs> but, sort of engineering firm would have figured out a better way to engineer that so you don't have to put a bag back in place after they slide. I, that, that whole, that whole thing just hurt my brain watching it. <laughs> well, I thought it's like, I just thought that like you would see like the camera pan and Eloy's like foot is like stuck in a fence somehow, you know, like it's just because it, it's just like way, the way it, it's going to work. Or they just pan the camera over and there's already a tombstone there. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, I mean, yeah, awful. I mean, like, it's just like, what are we like? Camp Pedro is alive and alive and well. So, yeah. Uh, as you said, Jim Boylan kind of reminds me of the uh, Tressman growing the football thing as well. You know, it's just all sorts yeah. of stupid things just fly when out of his Jim, mouth. What did Jim, Jim, Jim Boylan said the Field of Dreams line, right? Like in a post game, like if you build it, they will come. Like, and everybody yeah. was like, what the hell are you talking yeah, uh, I mean, and I'll just take a, a quick turn here uh, since we're talking about the uh, if you build it, they will come. Um, 
so the the recent comments by Jerry. How do you feel about those? To you, is just this whole thing nonsense? Because that's kind of how I feel about it. Um. Yeah. Well, I mean, he he's never spent money. He's not going to spend money. Now, I I do think like in in some world like where like somebody else that wants to spend money owns the team, like is that more likely at a new location with like a ballpark village where you own all the stuff around the stadium? Sure. Like, yeah, th- there's truth to that, right? Like they don't think that they can build what needs to be built like now where they currently are now is some of that on them. Yeah. A lot of it's on them. Like they probably could have built that. Right. Um, And they can't now. Right. So like, do you want to own hotels and own restaurants and bars? Like, you know, like if you've ever been to Cincinnati or St. Louis or Atlanta, they all have these ballpark villages and they own all of it. So like, if that's what he's getting at, okay, sure. But like they can win in their current park. They don't spend enough money on players. So he's yeah. Full of crap. This is exactly, this is exactly what I'm coming, coming to is that he says that they can't compete in their current park. So then he asked for 1.1 million from that $1.1 billion from the hotel tax. And then he says, oh, well, there'll also be $900 million that'll be needed for the uh, infrastructure improvements, you know, the uh, the red line stop and, you know, all that stuff. Uh, oh, and by the way, then it's also, you know, roughly going to be about $2 billion to build up the area right around it. So, I mean, realistically, you're looking at $4 billion that he's asking to be spent just so he can have his team over there because they can't compete in their current ballpark completely and totally ignoring the elephant in the room, which is that the problem is in the owner's suite and that he doesn't spend any money on the team or doesn't put people in the right position to make decisions that are actually going to better his ball club, which is ultimately what I think is the problem is just my two cents. Yeah. But didn't you hear that they're going to create a brand new Chicago riverfront neighborhood? Great. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's going to, that's going to pay for everything. And look, like, I do think he's going to get this and we don't have to get into it. Like we can let, we can let Nick and Danny do this and like yeah, rile, rile up people yeah. like that's fine. Um, <laughs> I just like, there, there's, there's a few, there are just a few things that Jerry Reinsdorf is good at. And this is one of them. And like, look, he should take all the arrows. Like I've been complaining about that guy for like, I tweeted this week. Like, I feel like, you know, you turn on radio shows or whatever. And, and it's like, it's like it just dawned on people that Jerry Reinsdorf is like not great. Like we've known this for 30 years, guys. Like yeah. this is like the way he runs his like I can't believe Jerry Reinsdorf would do this. Like what? Like what <laughs> like what like where have you like what are you talking about? Now, you know, like yeah, I wish like I hope that like there's a new ballpark that I can take my kids to like in 6 years, you know? Like so like yeah, like yeah. I'm a little bit conflicted. Like I am. Like it'll be mm-hmm. awesome. But yeah, that guy sucks. That's not a surprise at all. Yeah, uh, just the the whole thing just is uh, it, it's it's aggravating on so many levels. You know, yeah, yes, I would like a new stadium uh, because you know I look around and I see everybody else's brand new shiny things, and I think yeah, that would be great for the White Sox. And ultimately, I think that they made mis- so many mistakes with the current building, but. I don't think that that's going to solve any of the problems. The only thing that's going to solve the problem is having different ownership. So <laughs> spend money on good players. Ultimately, I, mean, I think that that's what yeah. it is, you know, and allow people to do their jobs and don't get in their way. Yeah. I think somebody said like, so like you want, like I love Moneyball, and you know, um, and you know, like you have to explain to people that like the point of that movie was like market inefficiencies, like, and, I know beef you're an accountant right so you you would that's that's the point of that movie right is finding those sorts of things but like i joked that the rangers market inefficiency was just signing all of the good expensive players and they uh you know they 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 won a title doing it so maybe try that for once that would be Shocking. that would be great yeah yeah you put a good team on the field and and people start coming to the park it's i i know it's like a weird thing but that's how uh return on investment works you know so uh, inefficiencies. Yes. Did I say efficiency? Yeah, I'm stupid. Yeah, Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, so moving along here, um, do you want to, uh, get into what you think is going to be 
some things that are going to be changing here on the 26-man slash 40-man with uh, some of the performances that have been going on here in, uh, I mean, granted, we have a very small sample size of three spring training games, and it's obviously not full games, uh, you know, for these players. But uh, is there anything that you've seen that you think is going to uh, change some things? Well, I mean, I was I was told already by a prominent podcast host and buddy of mine that Jesse Chavez is already off the team. Yeah, so, he's he's toast. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's, I mean, he's done. Like a one of our one of our brethren already. He's done. I, and I I don't think he's done. Like I think that guy's probably on the team. So I guess like the easiest way to do this would be like out of all these like NRIs, like what I guess who are the few that you think are the most likely to make this team because they are going to have to use roster spots on a few guys. Like if they do that. Well, I mean, we've talked about the uh, the Gavin Sheets issue here. Um, and uh, I kind of think, you know, I you saw that play the other day from Mike Moustakis at first base. Um, ultimately, you know, as we've talked about, Mike Moustakis is probably a better option than Gavin Sheets. Now, is he super athletic? Is he going to allow you to put him in the outfield? No, but he's probably going to be better offensively than Gavin Sheets will be. Um, I mean, there's, there's that, um, as far as the other stuff, you know, it's, it's all like, uh, you know, bullpen stuff, you know, I, I, it's stuff that I ultimately don't think is going to be super important, but you know, with a bunch of these guys that they signed, you might end up having them in Charlotte anyway. So they might be just a call away anyway. Yeah. So I think it's Moustakas for sure. And then a couple of relievers, um, and then the big question is like whether it's Danny Mendick or one of your in-house guys, I think, you know, cause we talked a little bit about Lenny and Sosa. He's been at third a little bit. Like Jose Rodriguez is on the 40 man. Braden Shoemake is on the 40 man. I know who you and I think is the most expendable. Um, I don't know that they necessarily agree. So I feel like if you add Mendick, like one of those guys has to go, like you, you just, you can't, I know, Sleepy said that he wants more infielder. You cannot have this many infielders on the 40 man. Like if you're not gonna, you know, so I feel like somebody gets the boot. If Danny Mendix on the team. Now it is, it would be great if when Ian Sosa just was good and made the team and then Mendick can go to Charlotte and you don't have to do anything, but for you to create spots for Danny Mendick, for uh, Mike Moustakis, for Jesse Chavez, and for even like one other reliever, I mean, you need four spots. They have some 60 man um, IL space. I think here, like Davis Martin can go to the 60. My guess yeah. is Shane Drohan um, goes to the 60 and then who knows, right? Peyton Burdick, like doesn't really seem long for, for this roster. Oh, and then Pilar Pilar's on a minor league deal. So he's on the team too. So it is a lot of guys. Like it's, yeah. I think it's at least yep. four guys they're going to have to add depending on what they do in the bullpen. Speaking of Peyton Burdick, I'll, what what are your thoughts on that pickup? Like, I kind of don't understand it. Um, just seeing what the White Sox already have, it kind of seems like they're picking up somebody that's a little bit redundant, although he is a fairly decent center fielder. Your thoughts? Yeah, I just, like, like guys that can't get on base in the minors, like, don't get on base in the big leagues. Um so he does have power, like, you know, and that's it. But he's like a 290 OBP guy with power. Um, like, could he impress you enough to make the team over Kevin Pillar? Okay. Because well, he's a right. Not... Like, so here's the thing. Like, he is right-handed, and, like, all of their potentially bad outfielders are left-handed. That is true. So yeah. that, like, so that, like, yes, he's right-handed. Um, I don't know when he was first, because he was – acquired by Baltimore in February from the Marlins. I don't yeah. know if that was prior to like the time where you're able to put guys on the 60 man because they, so the White Sox very clearly didn't claim him the first time that he was put on waivers. Yeah. The because yeah, yeah, because he got all the way to Baltimore. So they didn't like him enough to get rid of a guy for him then, but this time it's easy. Cause you can just throw a guy on the 60 day IL. Um, to make his spot so who knows like I, my guess is he's back in dfa limbo again and he's like they try to get him to charlotte you know that's my guess, as an yeah. off the roster um 
but guys like him usually bounce around to like five teams. Um, I think there's like a very low likelihood that he's much of anything, but it's a big power. I'm, I'm guessing they liked him at Wright State, and it's just like a flyer to see what he looks like in camp. But I mean, and look, roster churn's not bad. Like, yeah, you no. you want to like churn the bottom of the roster as much as possible. I just don't think he's particularly good. Well, I mean, and here's also the thing is that we talk about roster churn. They're not getting rid of anybody. They just keep on grabbing guys. Everybody that goes on the waiver list. Yep, we'll take some of that. We'll take some of that. And they just keep bringing everybody in, trying to stuff everything in there. And it's yeah. like, you know, how many how many of these guys can you get? And for those uh, people that don't know much about uh, Burdick, he is a, uh, a smaller stature uh, center fielder. He's a fairly decent fielder. He's not fast. Um, he does have a lot of power. Uh, and the power definitely buoys his OPS, uh, the power and his ability to take walks. Uh, but, you know, kind of along the same lines of uh, Deloach is that he's a guy who walks a lot, but he also strikes out a ton. So, um, they're, I mean, essentially, they're just kind of opposing versions of the same player, more or less. So, um, yeah, very similar. And And just like before we go here, like, Looking back at the um like the forty man, the potential sixty man spot. So obviously like Shane Drohan we saw this week. Um like I don't think any shoulder surgery is minor, but it yeah. seems it seems minor yeah, it seems minor for a shoulder surgery. It's like a nerve thing. Um and he's gonna start like a throwing program after spring training. So look, he's he's probably going on the sixty day. As far as the uh the rule five, like the rules, he has to spend ninety days active. Um, but it doesn't have to be right away. It's just 90 total days. Um, otherwise he's basically like in the same spot that he's in now. So they would have to keep him on the 40 man or on the 40 man, but he can't be sent down. So basically I think that 90 days can even go into next year essentially. Um, but if he has options, you can't send him down until he spends like 90 days active with you essentially. Like if he's injured, so they're going to stash him and, who knows? Like maybe he pitches for the Sox in the second half, but that's a guy that I thought they were going to be forced to roster that now they don't really have to. Yeah. I mean, it kind of, you know, you know, we saw it last year with a uh, uh, dude from uh, San Francisco, who's uh, Avila, you know, mm-hmm. who I thought that they should keep instead of Ruiz. Um, but they kept Ruiz and he went back to San Fran. Didn't, didn't make the major league club over there either, but you know, that's usually what ends up happening with a lot of the rule five guys. Um, I would have preferred to keep Avila over even Drohan at that, at, at this point, um, regardless of the shoulder surgery or not, I actually thought he was fairly useful. Um, and had, uh, Brian Bannister been here, maybe he might've been kept. Um, I don't know. We'll see. But, um, anything else you got for this week, James? No, not really. And I, I think it's just a little bit different just because like, they thought that they were going to win last year, right? So it's tougher to like keep a guy. I thought he was – like anytime you make a Rule 5 pick like that, I just like assume that they're planning on the guy making the team because it's really hard to to not um, – when you're as bad as the White Sox are, like I just assumed Drohan was going to be like a lefty out of the pen. It actually kind of helps them that they don't have to carry him. Yeah, that's that's actually the exact same thing I thought. You know, I was like, at least uh, smash the like button, yeah. please. Uh, as you know, as I, I said the same thing. You know, it, when he got injured, I was like, well, at least they don't have to put him on the twenty-six man now. Yeah, and right. they can put him on the IL, and they can keep him around, and then they possibly they can end up keeping him. Uh, you know, obviously they thought it was worth taking in the rule five, so maybe mm-hmm. uh, they get lucky enough that uh, this team. You know, by the time he's back to being ready to play, this team's already trading people off. Right. If they're, you know, if they got enough good performances out there. For sure. And now you can keep like Corey Kniebel if you want to. So, you know, or, you know, Dominic Leone or one of these, whoever, like all these made up guys that they have in their bullpen, you know, Brian Shaw, lock for the <sighs> team. Like, yeah, which he, he already did his thing today, lead off walk. Yeah. And of course, that ended up scoring uh, later. Yeah. I know that Beef Loaf's a gigantic fan of Brian Shaw. Um, but and uh, look, yeah. he might he might make it. He look, he signed with the right team out of you know for spring training. That's for sure. So, yeah, yeah, all these guys did. If you're yeah. looking to get some major league time, 
this is like the perfect team to sign with. I mean, you know, Tony Snell, if he played baseball, he could have come here and gotten his health care. His 10th year? Yeah, he yeah. could have come and got it here. It would have been absolutely no problem. I'm, I'm um, actually surprised he's not pitching out of the bullpen, you know. Like, anyway, Jerry, Jerry, that's one, you know, we, we hammered Jerry Reinsdorf. He does take care of, like, you know, Randy Brown's got a front office job. So how, and how Pete did Myers is on the Snell? bench, and I don't know. I don't know. That, I thought for yeah. sure they were going to sign him. Even if, the, even if they didn't roster him, Jerry would sign him and be like, you're not going to play for the Bulls, but I got some work for you. We'll take you over to uh, 35th and Shields. Yeah. You can come out of the bullpen. You know, we'll get you your service time. All good. Yeah. Uh, well, who knows? So how long yeah. How long are you expecting the big prospects in big league camp? You know, I mean, I will say they have been getting guys in and out of the games here pretty well in the first three three games. Um, so I don't think that they're going to get rid of them as quickly as I thought, just because they're cycling guys in and out, you know, super quick. Um, but yeah, I'd say probably like another week, maybe, and then uh, and then get them out, you know. And then it's lots of Mike Mustakas, yes. And Mike Moustakis. We went out and yeah. signed some guys that maybe wouldn't have a shot anywhere else. Yeah, that's true. Chris Gutt said that. Hooray! He likes he likes this team better than last year's team. Got things to dream on. Got things to dream on. Uh, you good, James? I'm, I'm all good. All right. We are tapped out. Uh, futuresocks.net. You can find uh, this podcast and... Uh, all of our written content. Uh, you can find all sorts of uh, good stuff over there about the, uh, the roster crunches and all that, uh, all that good stuff. Um, James mock draft, which uh, came out last week, I believe, um, or a week and a half ago. Um, so you can find that over there. Um, and that's already really dated by the way, after college baseball started. So, and after, uh, um, what Connor Griffin after the, like after torch, Connor Griffin went torching Mississippi high school baseball went crazy. He's gonna uh, have like eighty five steals in a high school baseball season and so. probably sixty five home runs. <laughs> uh, he had like three home runs in like two games. Um, uh, YouTube, you can find this uh, this stream slash podcast. You can f also find this podcast anywhere that you find your podcast. Uh, you can find it on audio only form at YouTube, which we would encourage. Um, at Future Socks, if you feel like supporting this content, you can stop by and uh, support us with Patreon. Um, my name is Ian Eskridge at Daily White Sox. That's James Fox at James Fox 917. Um, we appreciate your guys' time. Uh, thank you so much for stopping by this week, and we will catch up with you guys 